being everywhere always at once, hey, wouldn't it be a hoot to forget that you're everywhere always at once, or at least have a particle of you, a particle of you that forgets that they're everywhere always at once, and they can be in one place. There's no such thing as a place before, because everything, everywhere, always at once, but to be in one place without being everywhere else. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, I'm Mike Dooley, here to remind you once more that your thoughts become things. And I'm going to do it today by dropping another edition of a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. These were broadcasted live. My answers to fellow adventurers' questions about life, dreams, and happiness. And each one took 5, 10, or 15 minutes. We've sewn them all together for your viewing and listening enjoyment. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, happy Monday. Time for a spiritual tune-up. Fresh on the heels of Easter Sunday, many of you perhaps at one point in your life, maybe still to this day, celebrate Easter. Uh, the question pertains to that. Today's question by you. Thank you so much. Posting questions on Facebook and Instagram. Mike, please reconcile Jesus, Easter, and God. Specifically. So, if we're all already going to receive all that God has to offer right from the start, if that's the way it is, right from the start, we're all going to get God's bounty and glory. Why did Jesus have to come? And why did he have to die for our sins so we may have eternal life? The eternal life that we all get to have anyhow. Great question. There's so many stories that are riddled with inconsistencies. It's the perfect invitation to go within and just ask some great questions. And the answers are there and they're quite objective. They're right in the face and they all deal with love. And so I urge you to continue seeking, searching, asking. I'm gonna go deep dive on this in one second, but also go within and ask yourself what makes sense? What feels right? What's logical? What's intuitive? And you will be led to the truth. There will be sparks of spontaneous illumination. It's so exciting. If you ask a question, you already have the answer. And you're going to see some of that in this deep dive right now. All right. So much, much is misunderstood. Much is covered up with um, an people with an agenda who wanted to scare the masses and you're going to have to discern what's what in just a second but when it comes to biblical stuff ancient stuff historical stuff you always have to have that um, that little bit of doubt and and turn that doubt over to yourself so in the beginning in the beginning there was only God God was everywhere always at once God's synonymous with love synonymous with divine intelligence, unbelievable intelligence. It's impossible to think that this magnificence we live in was just random chance and that time, space, and matter are bedrock reality. So there's some kind of unbelievable brilliance, benevolence. Otherwise, it would have imploded through anger or blah, 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 blah. There has to just be pure love behind this whole thing or we never could have gotten this far. And just some deductive reasoning, divine intelligence would 
perpetually, eternally expand and grow and play and love and find new frontiers, be on the razor's edge, rethink it, try it again. Divine intelligence is everywhere, always at once. Time and space are an illusion. But divine intelligence, given that it exists, how we don't know, we don't need to know, given that it exists, must have certain traits and intelligence and a a desire, a leaning, an inclination to expand and to wonder and to forever eternally grow would be easy to deduce, as would its consistency being of pure love. Otherwise, like I said, we wouldn't be here so far. So in this rolling through the ethereal, there came this idea of having the material, the jungle's of time and space, oh my, lush and spectacular and more than anything else, instead of being everywhere always at once, which is by definition what God would be, nothing can't be God, nothing can't be in divine intelligence, nothing can't be universal source energy, right? So being everywhere always at once, hey, wouldn't it be a hoot? to forget that you're everywhere always at once, or at least have a particle of you, a particle of you that forgets that they're everywhere always at once, and they can be in one place, and there's no such thing as a place before, because everything everywhere always at once, but to be in one place without being everywhere else. Now, you're still everywhere else always at once, but you would forget that so that you could be in one place and at one time, and the physical form matter, the physical universe was born. And then within that matter, you could have symbiotic relationships, creatures galore, a hundred million species on one little planet called Earth, physical laws so that the whole thing can seem to be self-replicating and carry on with without any direction of its own, every cell and molecule being pure divine intelligence. God made the sun, the moon, and the stars with God. God is the substance. God is every atom. God is every particle. God is every pair of eyes you look into. God is everything. Nothing can't be God. But this adventure into the illusions, the lies of here versus there, now versus then, have versus have not, make possible desire and longing in a whole new way amongst the beauty and the love all happening inside the heart of God because there is no other place but God. And it's all one big heart, total love. And you might think there are lions and tigers and bears, and you might think you're independent of creation, but you wouldn't be. You would be everywhere always at once, except for this part of you, this particle, if you will, that volunteered, that voluntarily chose to forget that they're everywhere else always at once to forget that they were of God, by God, pure God, totally spellbound. Now, here's one of the things that I've come to uh, read uh, in my Ken Carey books. I'm going to do a reading for you in just a second. That's just so stunning. And it's echoed in other books and readings and in my heart as well, is that the energy that pours through me as I'm speaking right now, just as the energy that might be in you receiving this right now, that energy is pure God. Right now, pure God is speaking, but it's differentiated me versus you through our personalities. Ken Carey calls it lenses, 
like a condensation of God. And here's one version and here's another version. And each has different backgrounds, cultures, memories, track records within these sacred jungles of time and space creating personality. But it's God that pours through the lens. And then the lens gets diffused and an, an infinite number of beautiful varieties we call those personalities or we call those species or we call those motes and particles of dust and sand. It's all pure God. So what pours through you every single day is pure God. Totally pure God. Let me read this paragraph which I just revisited the other day and my mind was going off. This is Ken Carey, Return of the Bird Tribes. One in a series of books that is utterly mind-blowing and thrilling. So Ken Carey says this, uh, he's channeling. Um, you are all cells, you and me and everybody hearing this, cells, metaphorically, in a universal whole. Intelligence, intelligence cells, now dormant, but with mind-brain circuitry designed to reflect the thoughts of the creative spirit at the source of your life. As you release the fictitious beliefs that, and I'm going to get to the Jesus part in just a minute. As you release the fictitious beliefs that stand in your way, memory of these things will return. So when you stop being spellbound and reacting to life and realize you're projecting it as a co-creator in the heart of God, then suddenly new ideas are remembered and you activate historically latent features of human design. This is the, the 12 DNA chromosomes, is it, that, that scientists are speculating on and every channel talks about, uh, the additional DNA that's invisible until it's activated, until it's plugged in. Uh, chromosomes, helixes, uh, chakras, all of this stuff gets activated as you peel away the lies. Now the lies are okay, as long as you know there are lies here and there, time and space, it creates the stage for this awesome adventure of here and now and then and later, have and have not. That's an awesome blessing. But when you think the lies are reality and you have or have not, or it's hello or goodbye, it's all or it's nothing, it can be devastating. So see through those lies, understand they're the props of life, and then you can really enjoy this journey as truth is summoned, latent aspects of your circuitry are activated and you become more clairvoyant, you become more sensitive, you become more aware, you have access to infinite total knowledge. Let me continue, let me continue. You will see that creature and environment are inseparable. That's what I've been saying, creature and environment. It's all God. You extend to the furthest star. And that environment does not stop with an ecosystem, but extends to include your star system and every galaxy resting in the universal sea. It goes on and on and on. It is such good stuff. But we've been spellbound because we voluntarily chose this adventure. Ultimately, I'm sure, believing at some point we would emerge from our self-hypnosis and be able to rock these jungles of time and space in ways that we could never have rocked it before. And suddenly full God force will be coming through all of us unimpeded by false limiting beliefs, thinking that, that we need to compete instead of cooperate, thinking that we need to, um, you know, 
opportunity only knocks once and only the early bird gets the worm. All these things that scare the, the pants off of us. So here's the deal. Now let's bring in Jesus. There was this, if you will, this civilization, this planetary ecosystem lost in space, lost in space, completely unaware that they were divine creators, perpetuating what they were focusing upon. There was a cry that went out among the masses. Each individual echoed this cry, help, help, I'm totally lost. The elements are winning. I'm absolutely terrified. The whole planet was deep and steeped in fear. Perhaps, as some channels speculate, this was unintended and an accidental fall from grace. You see the lingo, where all of a sudden we're head over heels into the soup of the illusions, contending with life. So all of a sudden, totally lost in space. This call goes out. Life calling to life, send a lifeline, if you will, send me a rope. And so the answer was a divine being who would find the ability to awaken in the journey, Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ. Okay, and there's been others throughout history, but they those stories have been lost and there'll probably be others in the future should the civilization put out such a call. And so Jesus, as Jesus said, was a brother. Jesus said, we're all children of God. Jesus said, the things I do, you're going to do, and you're going to do greater. But man came along and put all the strings attached and do this on Saturday and that on Sunday and don't eat the other on Friday. And if you don't repent and this and that, you're going to go to hell. It's like, there's no hell. You were right. The questioner who asked this question, it's all ours and it will be ours. It's our divine inheritance. But until we remember that during a lifetime, it can seem like we're living in hell. So the messenger came. You're not living in hell. Believe and ye shall receive. Ask and it shall be given. Know ye not that ye are gods. All of that's in the Bible. I mean, this is what was going on. And Jesus left the message, but it was at a dark time in history when, as the, the fables go... He was persecuted, crucified, able to prove that he could rise from the dead, able to prove that all the things he said were true. It's just that today, so much of it has been spun in ways that gave the earlier church power and therefore the ability to manipulate the masses that a lot of the truth has been lost. But it's still there if you parse through it and use your heart to see what makes sense and what sounds right. So fellow adventurers, it's a beautiful story, but no, it's, it's been cast in ways that dilute its true meaning. It's not hard to, to see what's going on. It's not just me that sees this angle, but there's so many other authors, so many other speakers, so many other religions that all speak to the glory and the nature of everything being a product of love and our own focus. So that's what's going on. That's how you have inherited the kingdom. That's how it will never be taken from you. And the other stories about uh, dying for sins, you can find truth in it depending on the angle through which you view those stories. But the greater truth is, wake up, you're dreaming, you can have it all. I love you, you're forever. It's already been granted. You've already earned it. You already can have it. Don't eat of the forbidden fruit. Don't commit sins. Believing in the lies, that's what sins are. And then it, all things shall be added unto you. All right? 
All right. Well, thanks for letting me go into this um, touchy subject. Happy holidays. Happy everything to everyone. Jumbo fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Time for a spiritual tune-up. Thanks for the great feedback on yesterday's uh, installment, talking about Jesus, Easter, God. And then another great question along the same lines, try to keep a theme going here, came in. Mike, if there is no hell, which is something I said yesterday, can you speak on possessions, dark spirits, hauntings, folks that have passed away briefly and seen things and come back to tell of the horror that was on the other side? Of course, uh, it's added that some people come back and have stories of bright white lights and God and angels. So, But what about the dark stuff? I think it's a fair question. Great question. The premise being... Um, my assertion, and I'm not alone here, is that there is no hell. Let's just revisit that really quickly. Intuitively, logically, um, what would be the point? Why would it exist? Where would it be? Um, there's no place for it. Not in a kingdom of love, a queendom of love, where everyone gets second chances, where divine intelligence would be big enough to own the responsibility for her creations. There's no one that cannot be rehabilitated. There is no one given infinite time who can't be brought in to seeing things rightly in truth because there is a truth. It's absolute. It's empowering. It is the constructs of the physical universe. It is benign. We are one. We are powerful. We are creators. There's only love. There you go. That's truth. And then there are many little tangents to that, all empowering, all speaking to the greater good. So given that there's no hell and there's no devil, because what would be the point? You're incinerating God's mistakes. Does God make mistakes? All right. What is going on? Possessions. Now we, we got to, you know, I think this is referring to satanic possessions. When was the last time you read or heard or, or knew of a satanic possession? And we know what we're talking about. And uh, I have no doubt that some pretty freaky things have happened. And we'll go there in just a second. But let's recognize we're addressing a question um, that has uh, like, it, it's like virtually impossible. Okay, there's, there's no recordings of it except for maybe six you know and then in, you get some strange cultures where the beliefs are really kind of warped and fearful and they've got all kinds of oddities a reflection of beliefs let's come back to the western world or the united states right here aren't there a lot of people who allow themselves to become possessed by people they love or people they fear not, not possessed in a satanic way, but don't a lot of people give virtually all of their power away to culture, to leaders, to partners, to parents, to children, and become possessions of them? Well, if you can see that, and it's rampant to some degree or another, you could also imagine that in a culture where there was a deep-rooted belief from childhood through generations in the ability of dark forces to be able to penetrate your psyche and take over your body. Well, you would see in those realms where the beliefs made it possible, which is unlike the Western world today for the most part, haven't heard of any satanic 
um, possessions, you would see some really strange uh, behavior. And so that's what's going on in these cultures or even in the Middle Ages, you know, in the Middle East or, or in Israel or in Palestine where there were supposedly satanic possessions. These are a function of people giving away their power because they believe they should, because they believe they're bad, because they believe other people are greater, because they believe there are evil spirits. Everything that happens in these sacred jungles is a function of our beliefs, okay, and the beliefs of our culture. And so that is what possessions are. There is no devil, so truly there's no such thing as a satanic possession. But can people give their power away and uh, and get crazy like in the movies, um, to, to a very significant degree, of course, they can. Dark spirits. What are dark spirits? This is like, you know, evil, bad ghosts, poltergeists, uh, lighting fires, perhaps leading people to their doom. Uh, who knows what they do? Uh, again, we don't have a lot of reports of these in the news. Uh, that certainly isn't the final arbiter of uh, reality, but this is something that's mostly in the movies. Uh, there are no evil spirits in the same sense that there are no evil people. I know people do some really extremely disgusting evil things, but they're motivated by fear. They are love beings. They are light beings. They are pure divinity. There is nothing outside of the divine. There cannot be the divine and then all this uh, you know, other stuff from the back 40 or out in the shed or where did God make his um, creations from? It's all God. There's only God. And God in human form can get really confused and really scared and do some awful things in human form. And when that human form that's riddled with fear passes on, well, on the other side of the curtains of time and space, thoughts become things. It's just like here. It just happens faster. Although there's a different vibration, we can't readily see them most of the time. They can't probably readily see us most of the time. Their focus leads them to new adventures and ultimately to guides, angels, love, and invariably the decision to come back here into the rocking jungles of time and space and try again, play again, love again, and see what was there all along that they missed the first time or the first 10,000 times. So... There's no evil people, there's confused people. And there's no evil spirits, there's confused spirits. And you gotta remember that when it comes to you, your life, your joy, your safety, your thoughts pave the way. And so you're not ever vulnerable to confused people any more than you're vulnerable to confused spirits. You are untouchable, untouchable. Unless through fear, invisible limiting beliefs, you think otherwise. But don't let that scare you because it's easy to think, well, oh my gosh, what are my fears? And maybe I'll just let some poltergeist into my life and they'll start a fire. They can't, they can't do stuff in the physical world that's going to materially affect anybody's life. They can scare you. They might show up as an apparition, but they're not going to do anything other than that. And don't think that you're invisible limiting beliefs are so big that, that they could just totally shock you and unbelievable, unexplainable things could start happening. You are far more positive than you give yourself credit for. Everyone listening to this right now, 
you are inclined to succeed, you are pushed on to greatness, you are loved and adored, that love pours through your being, through your soul. That's how it goes. You're not vulnerable, don't be afraid. Yes, they can be out there and might show up as an apparition, so what? They're just confused and they're trying to be reached by others on the other side to, to, to shed light on their confusion. Um, hauntings, exactly. Oh, one more thing on dark spirits. I read in a book and I regret, I can't remember which one it was, but it talked about dark and evil spirits. And you know what it said evil spirits were? Evil spirits are fear, jealousy, and other insecurities. Those are the only evil spirits that you have to really be careful for. Products of your imagination, products of your confusion, your limited thinking. Hauntings, uh, again, same exact thing. Hauntings are spirits lost, just like in the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. You remember that? If you haven't seen it, it was a good one. Um, those dearly beloved who are so confused, they cling, they cling to their old stomping grounds. They're afraid to go beyond because they're afraid there might be a devil out there. When you die, you do not have spontaneous illumination. You do have a heightened perspective, but for some steeped in fear, they can't see through that fear even on the other side. And so they cling to the vibration of earth or to those they loved or to those they despised. Uh, because they're afraid of moving beyond and sometimes they show up uh, and this is the story of hauntings again you are untouchable and then as far as the people who have died uh, had a near-death experience and come back and told uh, of evil horrible scary things you experience on the other side right after death near death or real death exactly what you expected thoughts become things so if you're expecting jesus and hosanna in the highest you're going to get jesus and hosanna in the highest if you are expecting judgment day you're going to get judgment day if you're expecting god to be an angry white man with a long white beard that's what you're going to get but there will be agents and angels there to support and help you to take that manifestation of yours and bring it around into the light of understanding using your limiting beliefs. And, and this, these ideas I'm sharing with you came from the Seth material, Jane Roberts. Using your perspectives and your apparitions, if you will, to kind of tell a story, introduce themselves, angels that they are, into the story, bring light to the subject so that you will be free from that confusion just as they do for us in the waking life now. We're surrounded by angels who are whispering in your ear every single day, trying to bring light to any situation where there is confusion. On the other side, they have a little more uh, wiggle room, a little more authority to show up and disappear. Everything on the other side is much like a nighttime dream, you know, where elephants turn into tennis rackets and it makes perfect sense. So in that realm, immediately the angels are trying to bring light to a situation so that anybody on the other side who through fear and limiting beliefs on this side expected hell and Armageddon and devil and pitchforks, they will be brought around as quickly as possible to, possible to be shown the light of truth. You could not live in a more safe place than 
in your shoes right now on planet Earth. You could not be more loved. You could not have any more second, third, and billion chances waiting for you. You live in a game where everyone wins, where everyone gets to that inner circle, where everyone is provided for. And the sooner you realize this now, the more fun you can have. You're being pushed onto greatness every day. Your thoughts become things with positive thoughts 10,000 times more powerful than negative thoughts. You have nothing to fear, everything to celebrate. Love your life. Love every moment. Let God worry about the heavy stuff. You be here now. Be who you are. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, time for a spiritual tune-up. I'm Mike Dooley, grateful for your questions every day, Facebook, Instagram, and especially the questions asked by my Infinite Possibility members. Your questions get top priority. They are my talking points every day, Monday through Friday, and that parlay into a podcast drop once a week. All right, today's question I think you're going to have fun with. Uh, change your vibe, change your manifestations. Look at how amazing life is. Here's the question. Mike, I don't know what it is, but I have some kind of bad luck or curse with money most of my life. For example, I won $300 from a contest. Then the same week, I got a flat tire that cost 300 bucks. Mike, last week, I made $191 from my business sales. And two days later, my puppy got sick and the veterinarian bill was $193. Someone said the universe is financially providing for me the funds beforehand. But why isn't my bank balance not increasing since an unexpected expense comes up when I get money? I'm always thankful when I receive funds, but it doesn't, they don't stay. Oh my gosh. First of all, I got to tell you, your friend who said the universe is financially providing. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. The universe adores you. It is not neutral. Everything's skewed in your favor. But the agenda here, the contract here, the agreement was for your thoughts to become things. And the way it works, oh my gosh, this story so exemplifies it. Whatever your vibration Okay, and right now, if you're able to see the video that I'm doing, if you're not, you're on the audio, I'll, me, I'll, I'll help you. But like I'm holding up my hands and, and this is the vibration. The rate of my vibration is, let, let's just say four feet off the ground. I'm holding my hands together. You can raise your vibration to five feet, six feet, to the moon, or you can lower your vibration. Your vibration are your thoughts, your emotions, your beliefs, your expectations, the overall kit and caboodle of what you're putting out into the universe. And what you put out is exactly what you get back. And so typically in most people's lives, there is not gigantic change moving forward and there is not gigantic change moving backwards neither up nor down, people's income generally stays about the same. People's bank accounts generally stay about the same. People's weight generally stays about the same. Now there's always exceptions and things are always changing. Usually it's a slow metamorphosis that reflects our evolving vibration. Again, our vibrations are our beliefs, our expectations, our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts. Our thoughts can spike beliefs, emotions, expectations, intentions, etc. Our thoughts 
are our point of traction. But the whole thing, beliefs and otherwise, create a vibration. So if you are of a vibration that your checking account is $500, no matter what happens in your life, money comes in, it's going to go back down to $500. Money goes out, it's going to come back up to $500. And it will always be through unexpected serendipities, good, bad, and ugly, that bring you back to your vibe. This is the magic in our lives. And this is the great news. Because if you change your vibe, and it's the most changeable thing in the world, you're a divine creator, given the sun, the moon, and the stars. If you change your vibe to love, if you change your vibe to romance, if you change your vibe to international travel, if you change your vibe to wealth and abundance, circumstances will begin morphing and shifting imperceptibly, and you will fortuitously come into money, fortuitously find a travel partner. Everything starts working to your favor. Everything's already working to your favor. But what's your favor? It's your vibe. And your inclination, your default settings is to thrive. And so we can say to your favor with an understanding to your betterment. Because that's your nature. If you just do nothing, your life is eventually going to blast off. But we try to micromanage and then we don't get immediate results. And then we label ourselves, I can't do it. I'm not good. I must be jinxed. It must be bad luck. It must be karma. I was a pirate in my last lifetime. This is payback. None of those things apply. And most certainly it's not God deciding. God decided to be you. The most exciting adventure of all where the cards were stacked in your favor. And now you set your vibe and the entire world will march will march to the beat of your drummer. It's not just money. Here's a note from the universe that so speaks to this. Do you know what happens when folks distrust the trustworthy? They begin attracting the untrustworthy. And for those who trust the untrustworthy, they begin attracting the trustworthy. You're not going to necessarily change a person, but you'll change the people who are in your life. So it's not money, it's confidence, it's faith, it's service, it's cooperation, it's anything you want, any element, any cooperation. If you put out that vibe that you can trust, that means you believe that you live in a world filled with trustworthy people. And so the untrusty ones, untrustworthy ones will drift away. And the trustworthy ones will show up. Can't you see it? Isn't it amazing? Doesn't your life give proof to this? Um, it works for relationships. It works for depression. You get more of what you're putting out there. See the hope. See the beauty. Take some action in spite of all the good evidence that the world is crashing down around you. And you will create a crack through which the light pours in. Be the spark. Be the change. You change your vibe by changing your thoughts. And that means changing your thoughts even when the rest of the world hasn't changed at all. That means spark it, pattern interrupt, break it, create a visualization, vision board, affirmations. These are so powerful. They'll start creating new feelings, expectations, manifestations. Your inner witness says, oh, that was unexpected. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I got a lucky break. Oh, things must be changing. Then things do change. So change your vibe and you'll change your bank account. Now, of course, 
with all things. This doesn't just work in a vacuum sitting on your couch. You've got to continue living. Continue to go out into the world. Dance life's dance. Go to that job. Say hello. Be of service. Be a good sport. Then you become a lightning rod for faster manifestations based on your new vibe. As soon as you change your vibe, the universe changes what it's directing towards you. But if you're not out there in a place of receivership for what's been directed towards you, in fact, you're just sitting on the couch with your vision board, you're not reachable. So it's not like you have to go be clever and do smart stuff to avail yourself of all that's being pressed to you. Change your vibe, get out in the world. Change your vibe, get out in the world. And it makes sense to get out in the world in the direction of international travel, trustworthy people, rocking relationships, pain-free living, the things that you want. So go in that direction to the best of your ability, thinking not that you have to nail it. Just change your vibe and the inflow and the outflow will correspond so long as you're in a place of receivership. Jumbo fellow adventurers, happy Thursday. Time for spiritual tune-up. Thanks for the great questions. Here's one. When manifesting doesn't work in one area. Mike, I know that thoughts become things and changing vibes means changing your world. So even though I try changing my thoughts and feelings, there is that one thing in life. We all have that one thing, which has been my failing. And the pattern of the events... Uh, and a pattern of an event so deep-rooted that fear is so ingrained that somewhere it keeps rearing its ugly head. In my case, it's with relationships and finding a partner. So how do I deal with this deep-rooted fear of failure? How do I change this fear and manifest joy even when I am feeling low about some situation related to relationships? Okay. Oh my gosh. First off, you probably all noticed there's a lot of sweeping judgments, uh, labeling of oneself, deep-rooted fear. Are you sure? Are you really sure? Sounds like you're, some, you're excited about a relationship, and we're excited about that one thing, but it's not there, so we jump to conclusions, and we, we make these sweeping statements that may have nothing to do with what's actually going on. And I also could see in this question how hard we can all be on ourselves and and everyone watching right now you're guilty of this i mean cut yourself some slack give yourself the benefit of the doubt just because you want something maybe you've wanted it for a year maybe you've wanted it for decades maybe you've dreamed of it your entire life and it's not there that doesn't mean it's not right around the corner how do you know it's not showing up? How do you know all of those baby steps didn't make a difference? How do you know you haven't reached the tipping point? The good news, even when you're difficult on yourself, even when you're so brutal to yourself, there's still a ton of room to succeed and you're probably more than halfway there right now. Here's some things that I wanted to share with you. That if you want something and it hasn't shown up yet, let this be your conclusion. It's showing up. That's why you're here in time and space. That's why this one thing is such a focal point in your life because in large part, you chose this lifetime to nail it, 
you're totally going to nail it. And that you want it this big and it's just not there, inevitably, you're going to get it. Everything is here pushing you on to this next step, this next manifestation, which will change all further incarnations in your evolution of consciousness. Let me share with you my journey. I've got the benefit of hindsight at my age. I can tell you I went decades without a serious love interest during which I assumed every awful thing about myself yet still found an amazing partner and in spite of going decades without a family and drawing all kinds of terrible conclusions about myself today we have an amazing family now that doesn't mean there weren't sparks along the way I had a few relationships that lasted a couple of months um, but nothing nothing in my experience revealed to me that this could be a lifetime of love and family. Nothing. For decades and decades as an adult. That doesn't mean you're going to have to wait decades. But I can tell you from hindsight and coming from negativity and fear, where those really were issues of mine, that I still prevailed. And I'll tell you how in just a second. I can tell you that for decades, I didn't know what I would be when I grew up. And this is long after I grew up. After six years with PricewaterhouseCoopers, great organization, great career, it wasn't who I was. 10 years selling t-shirts, I learned a lot, loved my brother and mother, uh, we went a long way. It wasn't until 16 years after university that I started sending out free emails as, as Mike. And they pretty much bombed. But a year later they evolved into notes from the universe, into world tours, into books, into The Secret, into New York Times bestsellers. By the time I finally got going in a career, I was in my 40s and it was all so worth it. And I look back, my time at Price Waterhouse, my time selling t-shirts, it was awesome. Except every day was riddled with that niggling feeling. Where am I self-sabotaging? What's wrong with me? How come I'm stuck? Uh, what are my invisible limiting beliefs? Uh, Am I getting too old? I am too old. What if I never fall in love again? What if I never have another relationship again? That was really on my mind. Um, I'm embarrassed to say, but I want to give you things to relate to coming from that kind of negativity and that kind of experience with a lifetime of no love, no family, no money, no career, a lifetime. Yes, there was sparks and you've got sparks too right? It's not just been one famine, right? You, there's sparks. You felt those, that tingling. You got butterflies in your stomach, relationships, love, money. I can tell you it's coming. It's why you're here. And don't let appearances to the contrary tell you otherwise. Even if those appearances have been there your entire life, they're just illusions. That's what we're living in, a world of illusions. And the whole trick is to see whether or not you can hold the vision you want in spite of the illusions. Can you do that just a little bit, just 1%? 1% and you get it. You, you don't even have to think it right. You don't have to be perfect. You could forget a few attributes and you're still going to get it. Takes the littlest bit. What does it say in the Bible? If you have the faith 
of a mustard seed, of a sesame seed, that you can move mountains. You don't have to figure everything out. You don't have to be a scientist or a psychologist or a shrink. You don't have to do any more workshops. You just have to muster up the ability to hold that vision in your head with a vision board, with an affirmation, whatever works for you. And then you can have 18 hours of negativity a day. A little bit of positivity will blow away a ton of negativity. I've seen it every time, even when my positivity has been tainted. And I'm still learning this. You know, the, the last few days I've been doing some meditation. I do that every morning and I've gone nowhere and nothing's happened and I feel stupid and it's not working. And I'm like, Mike, it's part of the flow. You know, it's part of the pendulum. Don't be trying other people's methods, looking for other people's results. Go have fun. Take off meditating. Take off. Do something different. It's okay. You're going to get there. You're going to walk on water. You're going to walk through walls. You're going to have all those wild features that you ever wanted. We all are. That's where we came from. This isn't hocus pocus. This isn't make believe. So what do you do from here? To the degree you can, and it might be pathetic, to the degree you can, seek joy every day. F find a book, go for a walk, uh, watch a, a film, a brief film, don't get stuck in front of the TV. Uh, do something in joy. Reach out, help somebody else. Um, see the service in your work. See the difference that you, being alive, is making. And if you feel like you're not making enough of a difference, you're being too hard on yourself, but go out and volunteer somewhere. Go be on a telephone warm line for people who are going through massive depression or challenges. Get a little training. Um, visualize, affirm, call an old friend, uh, reach out to family, have a fur pet, baby, uh, plant a plant, uh, go buy a little petunia or some impatience or something for your garden or for your porch or for your desk. Live your life little by little. Keep on dreaming. Don't be discouraged by appearances and you will be blown away by your power, by the magic. And when it finally happens, you're going to say, oh, that was easy. Even though it's taken you 20 years, it works. Don't be discouraged. Don't beat yourself up. Thoughts become things. You totally got this. Jumbo fellow adventurers, happy fry, yay. Time for a spiritual tune-up talking about Ukraine and Russia. Oh my gosh, who's really winning the war? What a sad, sad, sad tale from every single angle. No one is winning this war and nobody is going to win this war. Everyone involved in war is a loser, some greater than others, but we're all brothers and sisters. So as much as one will hurt from this, we will all hurt from this. Uh, two specific questions emerged from this question. Is the West happy at some degree, some lower level, happy to be applying force against their old nemesis, the former Soviet bloc? Is this what's going on? Second question, are arms dealers, people who sell munitions, bombs, tanks, artillery, etc., are arms dealers and certain nations pushing this war behind the scenes in order to justify profit. Um, nothing is as it seems, okay? First, let me talk about what's really happening here. While it looks like 
this is just the old East versus the West. What's actually going on is a play of ideals, I-D-E-A-L-S, which is a play of ideas, a play against broken, faulty ideas that never worked in the past and they're not going to work right now. This is what's going on in the minds, if I may say so, of those involved in the war, whether it be the United States, Ukraine, Russia. Uh, this is a battle they would like you to believe, all of us, all of them would like you, of right versus wrong, of justice versus injustice, of good versus evil. And in that light, everyone's taking the high road. But that's just a game. What's really going on here is a will of might versus right. And the more powerful you are, the less you feel you need to negotiate, the less respect you have for the other party. Now, Ukraine, uh, to all intents and purposes, is truly a victim here. Um, but no one's really a victim. But on the surface, I totally get it. They have just been trampled and they're being torn apart and slaughtered uh, through no clear um, initiative of their own. And my heart goes out to every Ukrainian, as I'm sure is the case for almost everyone listening here. But just as there are no innocent parties here at the deepest level, um, all involved in a war are aggressors. Okay. This is might versus right, which hides the need to justify. And it bolsters good versus bad and all those things I was talking about. And this has failed society for as long as humanity has done the record keeping on it. And I know you can point to Hitler being squashed and I know you can point to, to other um, evils, but so much more could have been avoided if we didn't play this game of might equals right. Uh, if I'm more powerful, it must be because I'm favored. It must be because I'm smarter. It must be because I'm better. It must be because God is on my side and the might will prevail in the short term. Let's get rid of these notions. Let's look at what's really going on here. Let's stop and see each other as brothers and sisters. Russia is playing the card and in many ways, understandably, that their defense was threatened. This is a defensive action on their part. And the Ukraine is playing that card, understandably. The United States is playing that card. Where do we go if we're all playing victim here? It, it leads to ruination. It leads to slaughter. It leads to heartbreak and disaster for generations. No one is ever going to win this war. To speak to the fact uh, is, the, is the West happy about this? No, the West is not happy about this. The West is flexing their muscle and we're going to make it right and show you how amazing we really are. We're so fair. This is not helping the situation. Are arms dealers and certain nations pushing this war? That's too much conspiracy theory. No, yeah, there's always somebody that's going to make a profit uh, no matter what. Uh, and to think that they are driving this entire conflagration, conflagration, wrong use of the word, wrong pronunciation is, is not helpful and is not true. Um, this is not being run by a secret society who wants to pit humanity against each other so that they can, you know, get richer. Conspiracy theory. It's simply old broken ideas playing out, hopefully for the last time, as our civilization, our planet, 
our people, the people of earth, move to a higher level of understanding and compassion. And we will point to this chapter, as all the other warring chapters, of how we got it so wrong back in our primitive days. And the primitive days are fleeting. In our lifetime, I fully expect to see love and peace bloom on this planet in ways that heretofore have been unimaginable. We need to stop seeing each other as us versus them. Where's the humanity in that? We don't have to agree on everything. We never will agree on everything. But if we can see each other with the respect that we all deserve, we all deserve, your enemy deserves respect. They have a point of view. They're not just trying to kill and maim for no good. They feel threatened in their small worldview. Respect that. Bring it to the table. Talk to them. Try a different approach. None of this is easy. I'm not saying, oh, just everybody put down their guns and we're all going to get along. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be wicked, brutal, hard. But it's going to be easier than continuing to fight a war that takes everybody down. All right, so from here, what do we do? Immediate cessation of all hostilities. An immediate return of all fighting forces to their own land. Um, immediately begin a dialogue. Immediately in that dialogue, talk about reparations for the damage done by those who committed the damage. We immediately begin talking about opening up trade again so that nobody's backed into a corner with no recourse but to lash out even worse. We immediately end embargoes in these negotiations and we immediately begin rebuilding through cooperation, never violence, never living by the sword because you will die by the sword as has been taught uh, for millennia. So nobody's winning this war. Nobody's going to win this war. The sooner we get out of this war, not easy, easier said than done, the better everyone else will be. And there's no need, no room, no place for conspiracy theories. Everyone has been doing their level best to make the world a better place. But they've been doing it to such a degree that they have minimized and marginalized their view of other people. The day will come when we don't have boundaries for countries. What a juvenile, silly, pathetic, ridiculous idea. The day will come that the only reason or cause for such boundaries will be to keep track of sports teams. And that's the way it ought to be. The people of a land, of a nation, of a region, forget the nation, of a region, of a continent, of a planet, should decide for themselves what's going on. They should decide their own leaders and they should see everyone else's brothers and sisters. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I don't mean to be overly um, uh, serious about this, uh, but I, I think the sooner we stop taking sides, coupled with a total cessation of violence and a beginning of dialogue, including reparation and uh, being inclusive of the whole world, the sooner this chapter will be put behind us and the sooner we'll learn these ideological lessons that are, are completely broken and failed of might versus right, us versus them, good versus bad. We're all in this together. We're all brothers and sisters. And right now your brothers and your sisters are suffering mightily because of this war, because of all the parties involved. There you have it, fellow podcast listener. Now, let's stay in the zone. 
If you haven't already, please visit my website, tut.com, where you can sign up along with 1 million other subscribers for my free daily notes from the universe. You can also find out about my infinite possibility membership for a price you choose. Every single Tuesday, I do a live broadcast, a 30-minute mini manifesting workshop. Members have access to the last 52 mini manifesting workshops. So check it out. And if you have a moment and these podcasts move you, I would be deeply grateful for a review at the Apple podcast platform. Go to tut.com, look for spiritual tune-ups, look for the link for podcasts. If you send us a screen grab of your published review at Apple, we've got a very special bonus waiting for you. Check out the links, read all about it. Thanks for being here and I'll see you on the next podcast installment.